0: Hello, you've reached another episode of the Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. My guest today is Morgan Rowe of Zeitgeist Radio Podcast. So it will be a great show. Stay tuned. I am here with Morgan Rowe and she is a podcaster and a music teacher for Zeitgeist Radio.
1: Good afternoon, Morgan. Hi. Great to have you here. (laughs) Be here. Great to be here.
0: (laughs) What I realized is that when you start a podcast, you can also start interviewing other people with podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. it, It opens up a whole new group of interviewees.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be on on someone else's podcast too. I'm usually on the other side of things here, so it's going to be fun. I'm ready to have a good time.
0: So we share, I was so excited to meet you, we, we do musical improv together, and we also have a choral background. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your musical background?
1: Yeah, my, so I've been making music my whole life, literally. My mom plays uh, French horn. And uh, so even when I, even before I was born, you know, you picture where the the bell of the French horn is, is right there. And, uh, and she put me in a music, early music class. So by the time I was two, I was in, in music class. Uh, I did kinder music up until I was about eight. And then I took piano lessons. And then I was joined choir in high school. And then uh, I just, I've always really loved to sing. Um, And I also really loved piano. So, I've been in choir pretty much non-stop since high school. I still sing in choir here in this the Central Coast. I'm in this uh, the slow master uh, Chorale under Tom Davies. and I'm in residence here in uh, under uh, Paul Osborne. Um, and i'm I'm looking at some other groups, but uh, those are the two main ones. But yeah, as far as my musical journey, I you know in in college, Uh, music was just kind of something I always did. I, I was planning on minoring in music because I knew that I wanted to take classes. Um, but I didn't expect to major in music because, you know, where does that get you in life? I'm being sarcastic here, of course, now, but, you know, at the time it didn't seem like maybe that great of an idea. So, uh, and also I was interested in other things. I took a lot of different classes. I had a really hard time choosing a major because I just think a lot of things in life are cool. Um, so I finally declared my major as anthropology, which is funny now because, you know, where does that get you either? <laughs> you know, it's just right, the, the best. Right, double ad- <laughs> major
0: of unmarketable skills. Yeah,
1: exactly. The best advice I ever got, I think, for, for my college self was uh, just find something. Your undergrad, unless you're really serious about a particular uh, path, uh, like if you're doing like nursing or, or something, you know, plan to be a physicist and, and work for NASA or something like that uh, if you don't know what you want to do for your life just major in what is interesting to you and I really took that to heart and I thought anthropology was so interesting but meanwhile I kept taking music classes and kept taking classes and kept taking classes and eventually senior year spring semester my literally like my last semester in college my my music my piano teacher who was head of the department at the time he looks at me he's we're in a piano lesson he's like morgan you have a lot of credits <laughs> he's like a
0: lot of music credits you have a
1: lot of credits yeah he's like you you're basically a major cuz i just kept doing it you know it's where all my friends were um it was where i got my most enjoyment even doing the, the, he- the theory and the history classes, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and and my closest friends, and the, the friends I'm, st- I'm still close to, I'm still c- close to and connected, my music department friends um, from college. So, yeah, I ended up with a double major. I, I studied piano performance. Uh, technically, it's just a music major, but, but piano performance was my focus. Um, and then when I got out of school and, and moved away to Portland. Uh, then I, I uh, joined a choir about as quick as I could. And I, I, like I said, I still continue to sing. And I teach music on the side. It's not my, my full time, um, but I have uh, taught both voice and piano for many years. I still continue to teach voice virtually right now. Um, I ran a music school for a time in Portland. Uh, that was a, a whole heck of a lot of fun. And uh, now here in the Central Coast, I, I started this podcast, Zeitgeist Radio, where I interview people who do cool stuff with music. So it's it continues.
0: <laughs> well, we were talking about my experience, and and we were talking about Phyllis Zimmerman. And you have a Paul Osborne, you yeah. said, had worked under Phyllis. And this was in the 80s, and she was a chain-smoking, hard-drinking lesbian with a limp. And uh, she... Boy, she was tough on us, and but I learned a lot about teaching. Uh, we went to Europe, and uh, and she wrote a lot of modern music. And I was talking about uh, an experience where uh, we were singing in Notre Dame, and we were singing this modern mass with all this dissonant, and it it was just out of place. But she definitely had a passion for that music. Yeah. But I, I went to my high school reunion, and and it is the the the. Uh, that community that you build in the arts is really so special.
1: Yeah. When you're making music with people, um, there's a kind of connection that you just can't really get anywhere else. Cause uh, you know, we're talking right now and we're having a great time. um, But when you make music, you're, you're kind of showing it's, it's still communication and you're kind of showing a different part. You have to communicate either without words or with the prescribed words of the song usually. Um, So there's a, there's kind of a vulnerability and and a sharing of heart that happens when you make music with other people especially in high school Um, I think the high school choir experience which is all I can speak to I'm I'm sure band kids feel this way too Um, but it's it's pretty special and you grow in ways and you form bonds with people that you know outside of any social cliques or groups or whatever no you know you could be the, the the star quarterback could be standing next to you know the the Kids in the chess club, and they're still working together and, and making the same music and having the same experience. I think the teacher is a huge part of that too. There's a you know, a demanding teacher can be a really good thing, and I imagine that you uh, gained a lot of skill under Phyllis and and have a lot of strength vocally, um, and certainly made some memories, even if it was under a tough teacher.
0: Yeah, it. I it, as I teach, I really was influenced uh from her a lot and um and you as a teacher it's quite a balancing act you want to support and nurture Mm -hmm. um but you also kind of have to wag your finger and and uh and be demanding and so it's art art teachers that teach art that is it's really inspirational
1: yeah one of the reasons I cannot just personally I'm not built to teach music full-time is the uh it's it's so there's so much emotion that happens in that space, especially with private lessons. Um, you're you're like a therapist too, <laughs> you know. Art brings up and music brings up a lot of uh, stuff, uh, and and the the practicing, getting the kids to practice and, and do stuff outside of the class as well. And and you really do hear about every element. I don't I don't know of another uh, relationship. I'm not aware of one at least that I can think of where where you you are that close to a a teacher as a kid. Like I, kids I've taught share all kinds of stuff with me about what they're feeling and what they're going through and who's nice to them and who's mean to them at school and and what's, you know, stuff about their family life and just what they're thinking and feeling and being at all these different ages. And so I think that that relationship is pretty special. And I, I take that seriously and I honor that, which also means that I have to, uh, not teach as much, uh, just to kind of keep recharged myself. <laughs> you, you give a lot as a teacher. I don't know. I have so much respect for you doing what you do. I cannot imagine <laughs> you just give, give, give. And, um, and that's awesome. But, but, uh, the recharging part is what's, what I need, um, as well.
0: I was joking that I'm a, I need to enter the Olympics under the talking category.
1: <laughs> there we go.
0: And, and, Art for me is is definitely a way to recharge because you do give a lot um, and it's very rewarding, but you really have to develop an outside life to yeah. really have that balance.
1: Yeah, you th- I think that's really important. And that's how that's how we met is doing, that was an outside life type of thing. <laughs> Musical improv. Boy, talk about outside, certainly outside my comfort zone. I don't know what you felt about oh, it. Oh, no,
0: it's it's you are definitely out there. Is it true? can everyone sing
1: oh yeah so I I have thoughts on this Um, so first of all I think there are spaces where everyone 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 can sing everyone can sing for example the shower don't let anyone tell you you can't sing in the shower come on you're naked in there (laughs) you can sing you can sing all you want sing your heart out if you're in the car sing your heart out um, I, one thing that's important that I that I try to to talk to people about is is um knowing your space. You know? Uh, like like me one where I have gained so much satisfaction in my own musical journey is knowing knowing my space what uh, of any ensemble that I'm with and aligning those at your expectations to whatever that space is you know in, in musical improv I can be kind of messy I don't have to be like perfectly on pitch or I don't have to be perfectly on rhythm I think I genuinely think anyone can do musical improv and and sing along and um, and uh and make up these amazing songs and it's a process of co-creation um but then you've got different environments like you know like like resonance it's a very very focused group on early music and the the standards are very high and very rigorous and it's a a very specific skill set that is required there um so not everyone can sing in that environment right
0: what are those groups like that you're involved with In. San Luis
1: yeah. So right now, though both of those are. Um, so so resonance, like I said, it's a it's a smaller, I would say, a 20 person ensemble, 20 to 30 person ensemble. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it moves. You don't have a lot of rehearsal time you put on. And then every summer you put on a, a concert and then also record a CD. The CDs are pretty high quality. Um, every year every year yeah and you only have a i mean it's just a summer ensemble so not a lot of time so you got to work hard you got to put the time in outside to learn your music um and then at the end you know you have this this pretty high quality concert and then slow master uh chorale um under tom davies uh again a very a, a good group i would say there's um there's the great thing about there is you're singing with the symphony, right? So it's a very, very different sound from resonance, um, slightly different skill set there. You want a bigger voice generally, not always, but uh, most of the time, those those bigger choral ones, you know, the, the ensemble is much larger. It's, you know, 80 to 100 people instead. And then you've got, you know, and then you, you're also with the symphony. So so the sound is a lot more. Um, the music is a lot more complex. You know, these are symphonies that were written for choir. You think a symphony is pretty complex in and of itself, but then you add a whole choir and, uh, boy, it it really gets rocking. I tell you, I hear,
0: I hear a big choir and I just, the tears start coming. It's just so emotional.
1: It's an amazing experience. But to go back to your question, so no, not everyone, um, can necessarily sit and and also here's the other thing about going about whether can everybody sing um what how much time are you willing to put in to make it happen because you can do a lot with the voice you can train your voice up pretty darn well but you have to be willing to practice
0: what about the intonation i mean are there Mm -hmm. i mean you must find challenges in that like people being able to stay on note i hear a lot of out of key singing at uh, karaoke bars
1: yes well (laughs) there's several things there yep so here's the thing about intonation and this is a a free tip for everybody here but uh it's really about your ear if you think about how the voice like um i'd be curious to ask you later maybe how 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 is sound made how do you physically sing um what, what can you tell me about that, Andy?
0: I think that a lot of it, I mean, you learn the diaphragm, uh-huh. uh, to breathe, uh, low and pull in your diaphragm mm-hmm. and.
1: But then what happens like, like physically with how, to, how is the sound produced? in Well, the body? I know
0: it's the vibration of the vocal cords. That's yep. about it.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's about what, what people come, uh, about the knowledge people come with. So it's, Uh, one thing I like to do in the, in the first time I ever work with someone is walk them through just the physical understanding of what's going on. Yeah. You've, you've got air, you've got your breath, your diaphragm is this muscle that kind of separates your lungs from your guts (laughs) and you can't actually control your diaphragm. Uh, you only can control the muscles around it in the, the rib cage all all the way around, kind of in your, your torso and your core. So, um, So that's, that's key. And then, you know, the, the air, you fill up your lungs with air, the air passes through the vocal cords and people don't understand where the sound comes out. People think, oh, it comes out your mouth, but really the sound just goes, right? So it goes up into your head, (laughs) you know, you have a lot of resonance in your head and that's something people are surprised to think about. You've got your whole sinus cavity up there. The sound's just going up. And if you open your mouth, then it goes out your mouth, but it also goes up into your head. So there's a lot going on and and when you're when you're singing your head is physically vibrating all those bones everything up there just the the sound going through there with force everything's physically vibrating and you th- picture the bones in your ears that uh you know that are uh, again the the ear anatomy we we won't go too far into anatomy with you but but um they're, they're vibrating too, right? Everything's all, all connected. There's a lot going on in your head. So, so for people who have trouble with pitch, um, I really have them focus on, first of all, understanding and being gentle and kind of gracious with themselves that like there's a lot happening. There's a lot going on. And if you've never put any time or effort uh, into learning how it works and how to control it. Why would you expect, it's, it's like going into a gym. You've never set foot in a gym before and you walk up to some rack and you're trying to like, you know, bench press 200 pounds. Why would you have that expectation of yourself that you could do that? So you can learn, a lot of people can learn pitch. There is such a thing as being tone deaf, but it's a very specific um, thing. And, and here's how to tell if you're tone deaf. Do you like music? If you do, you're not tone deaf. Because if you're tone deaf, music sounds like traffic. It sounds like noise. I so.
0: really am interested in that because I do, I mean, I, what I had heard is like either you, you can get on the pitch or you can't. And, and there's, but as you say, you, people can be trained to be focus trained. more on the It on takes the notes a long time. And, yeah.
1: It takes a lot of work. Um, and there's, there's this beautiful book called Ear Without Fear. Go get it. It's a book and a CD that that goes along with it. And the first step is just uh, learning if you can tell the differences between two pitches and just kind of the external hearing. Um, If you can start to learn where, where the two pitches are, is one higher, is one lower? And starting with ones that are far apart, so it's a little easier to tell. And then you start working it down and down and down to where notes are very close together. Can you tell which one's higher, which one's lower? You can eventually get it. I've seen students make a, make progress on that, but it just takes a long time. These muscles are tiny, 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 and to and if you're not trained that way, and and it's a certain type of focus that may be different from what you're used to doing. But um, if you're willing to put the time in, I would say you absolutely can learn to and to then you know start using your voice to to match those pitches as well.
0: Now, w- are there different styles for like choral music, as opposed to? a student that might want to sing in musical theater
1: absolutely yeah so there's a base there's a base skill and and here's again something that i like to tell people is I, i always like to learn what's your goal what do you want to do you know there's some base skills like take a big breath breathe low sing with your diaphragm open your mouth uh keep your shoulders up have good posture those are it doesn't matter what what genre for the most part those are all going to apply but uh but once you got those basics down it's about the styling where are you going to kind of hone and refine and go in on i know you sing some country music so so nasal, there's a bit of real a, nasal yeah nasal and a bit of a twang sometimes maybe not the style all styles but a lot of country music has a, a bit of a drawl or a twang um versus the you know the the classical stuff that i do it's very very open and very pure um, resonance, very pure sound and I think that's there are some excellent excellent singers um, even in the, in the master chorale or in other, other big more classical groups that may not get into resonance because they have too big of a sound and that's the other thing about, uh, about genres and maybe auditions, if you've got auditions coming up I try to tell people it doesn't have anything to do with you Right. Take yourself out of it. And I know that it may be a project you really want to do, but it's really about the directors putting together a very specific sound. And I've not gotten into groups one year when they were doing one type of music and then they were doing another type of music. And I did get into the group because that was the sound they were looking for. So um, I've gone kind of all in on the classical because that's kind of where my heart is. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to do some, some musical theater or, or branch out. Um, and again, know, know, your, uh, know your scene. I could probably do music theater in, in some kind of more community theater stuff here, but I'm never going to be on Broadway. <laughs> Have you ever tried <laughs>
0: no. musical theater?
1: You know, I did some in high school, and it was so much fun. And I haven't done it since, uh, and I think it would be really fun to go back and, and do some musical theater.
0: And you're a soprano. I, I, you had I'm mentioned soprano. that you were hitting those high notes in your performances. Yes,
1: I am a high, high, high soprano. Yes, I, I'm I'm way up there. <laughs> There's no no doubt that I'm a first soprano.
0: <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about uh, Zeitgeist Radio, your podcast.
1: Yeah, so I think that... I just think music is, there's so many ways people can make music, right? You do your, your podcast uh, here, and you have Cowboy Jeff and Andy who perform, and then we have a very cool episode um, ab- about your projects here. Uh, but there's just so many spaces that people make music, and there's so many ways and, and that uh, people can be engaged in music. So my, my goal with the podcast is to talk to people who do interesting things with music and are, are uh, part of interesting musical subcultures from all over, all over the world. All, even within one culture, there's, there's different kinds of, uh, of, of subcultures. So um, yeah, I, I interview folks just who do cool stuff. And the goal is that maybe the listener finds something that they want to pursue a little more or, or give something a try.
0: What have been some memorable episodes that you've done?
1: Oh man, I have so much fun with every guest. Um, I, uh, I had a great episode with with Paul Osborne, who was the director of Resonance, and and he and I um, he's he knows so much about about early music history, and um, that was a really fun episode. What do you
0: mean about early music? Early is this music, Bach, or oh
1: yeah, yeah. So his uh, official definition is um, is anything before Bach, generally, or anything before Mozart, really. So we're, I mean, some of this stuff is like 1540s, early, uh, um, even earlier, very, very early stuff, mostly English and and European focused. Um, So generally when you hear early music, that's what that refers to is, is, uh, you know, madrigals and, and um, polyphonic uh, music. It's so, and, and the episode with Paul was fun because he's. He's just his brain is like a trap, kind of like yours is like a trap too. you. You can you can name off history and bands and names and people. <laughs> and he's the same way. You can just name off uh, stuff that happened in historical events and, and these composers and every single piece of music he's ever sung. So that, that was fun just to be around an inspiring person right here in the Central Coast.
0: How about some other episodes?
1: Um, well, one cool thing I learned about was from um, a gentleman here in Atascadero. His name is Warrior Bob, or that's the handle that he goes by. Warrior Bob, wow. Warrior Bob, and what he does is make electronic music. And here's something I didn't know: is in uh, in the early days of computers, people were were learning how to manipulate the sounds of the computers, and uh, they'd use these things called trackers. And the the, the, the my my very uh, simple uh, understanding that I took away was uh, it's basically in those early days it was like a spreadsheet and and I have to laugh because you know every every cell would have you know like whether it was a, a note or an inflection or something and they'd all be layered on top of each other and I work off of sheet music you know, for my own stuff, my choir and 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 my classical music and sheet music means something specific to me. But that was like a different kind of sheet music, like Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> making music on a computer. So that was that was another uh, another great episode.
0: We've been studying; it's a Hispanic Heritage Month, oh, month yes. and we have studied Escavel, and he was a Mexican artist that was an early electronic music pioneer, but. He would cha-cha-cha, da 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 you know, and then they would sing in zoo, 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 zoo. And it was just so unique, but it was that early synthesizer. He played in Vegas for 20 years doing yes. this very avant-garde stuff. And I, I just love artists. It's very happy joyous music. Nice. Silly. Nice. <laughs> so uh, so that kind of relates to, yeah, synthesizer, it's a whole world.
1: Oh, it really is, and it's come so far, and there can be a whole nother rabbit hole that, that we talk about about uh, early music, or sorry, not early music, about uh, the electronic music now, but those early days, it was so fascinating. People were just playing, you know, it was a new technology. Um, one thing I like to, to ask some guests about is, is how they feel about AI music. It's kind of a hot topic right now and you get a lot of different uh, ideas and a lot of people are pretty negative about it. But then I talked to, you know, to people like Warrior Bob and and just listened to his excitement and his nostalgia around the 90s and this brand new computers. They'd never seen anything like it. People were just playing, having fun. There were no rules there. You were doing whatever the just trying to find out what the machine was capable of. And I'm like, I kind of feel like that's what's happening right now with AI. People are just playing, having fun. There's no rules. <laughs> and what are the capabilities? We don't know.
0: <laughs> but- well, we were talking about uh, Buck Owens, and and that was the early telecasters. So technology. Yeah. We have Hendrix with the early. Uh, electronics, and, and but technology has always driven music.
1: I think so. I think that any big innovation, you see a huge surge. If, I know you like history, and, and if you look past at, at history, any innovation, you see a huge surge in creativity. And you also see uh, a lot of negative pushback from the people who are established, and I'm seeing that right now with AI.
0: What I think about AI is, is that they scan uh, a whole artist repertoire, and then they use it to put out new songs based on that style. And it, it really seems like stealing to me.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think there's the, definitely a conversation to be had there. Um, my question kind of throwback to that would be like if I, AI also scrapes, for example, every book, uh, right. every, everything. Paintings. Paintings, styles. How is that really that different from what artists have always been doing? I would say human artists steal a whole heck of a lot more than the AI is doing. I understand the argument that it is a specific, like it's actually you making the sounds and the sounds, but, but the amount, you know, the AI isn't taking your song. It's taking a, a piece, a, a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece, um, and it may be in a style of, but you're playing in a style of, you know, if I told AI to, to make a, make me a country song, yeah, it may pull Buck Owens, like a little piece of his voice, but that would only be a part, like a a minute part of it. That doesn't necessarily mean that, that his entire album is being stolen. And I would say, I mean, again, just, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to, like, I, I do understand there are, there are legality concerns and stuff, but just from the perspective of of someone looking back at history, people thought that photography was was horrendous uh, and was extremely disrespectful to uh, to artists who were were drawing. Um, so, I,
0: I was know. thinking about uh, oh, I've been reading about the sampling, like the Beastie Boys and mm-hmm. uh, and rap artists sampling, and I and what I read is that. It was it was really the territory of the big boys because a big record company could yep. buy the rights for all the samples. Yep. And then uh as kind of the legal battles went, they opened it up a little bit more where you could it was called fair use where you could you could sample and, and, and so it opened up uh to smaller artists that didn't have the big lawyers yeah. and bankrolls.
1: Yeah. And I yeah, I mean and, and look at DJs. Do DJs steal? Are you saying that, you know, anytime a DJ plays a set that they're stealing? Well,
0: that's really interesting. You know? Interesting point. Yeah.
1: Because they're making their own music. I'd love to. I have several DJs in mind. I've got my eye on them. For, really? for future uh, interviews of my, on my podcast. Yeah. Uh,
0: locally or uh, um, You know, I've got
1: two, two front, two folks in Oregon that I've, uh, I'm connected to, um, and they worked at the school with me, but, um the they I mean it's an absolute performance you you see a good DJ going and yeah there's a song that's recognizable underneath but they are creating art live and so that's kind of and and what I what I'm interested in about this AI thing is I feel like it's putting it's putting opportunity um in more people's hands because it's expensive to get a guitar and learn how to play it and spend years of your life doing that it's expensive to get drums it's expensive to get a lot of gear um versus if i can just say you know what i just want to have fun i want to write a song play me uh this type of drums drum track in the style of so-and-so now let's add in this guitar in the style of so-and-so and and then i'm going to record my own vocals because i want to sing like that's kind of like what garage band is doing but a lot of people
0: yeah a lot of young people are creating that way
1: yeah And I don't don't know. Again, I just I look at things from a cultural zeitgeist means spirit of the times. I know it's kind of a a hard name for a (laughs) a foo foo. That's a (laughs) a, (laughs) five. That's a
0: ten dollar word there. That's
1: a ten dollar word there. But zeitgeist is German. It means spirit of the times. And it's all about culture. And and, you know, we're informed by our culture and where we're from and what we associate with and where we are and who we who we hang out with. And Um, who we spend our time with, that's all part of informing what we do. It's informing our actions and also what we like and dislike. Um, So looking at it from kind of a cultural lens, um, I see that's kind of how I see AI, you know, taking good or bad away from it. I see that a lot more artists, a lot more potential artists are going to have the opportunity to make music who uh, may not have the ability now. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing thing to think about.
0: Now, you have joined the Musical Improv group, and we are so happy to have such a skilled companyist. Thank you. And uh, so tell me your approach there. That is really, you're out there on the edge.
1: Man, this is the hardest thing I've done in a long, long time. (laughs) It is, uh, I was not wanting to join this group, but my friend Tanya...
0: How did you meet Tanya? Um,
1: so Tanya is my husband's friend from college. Okay. And uh, Tanya is a veterinarian and had done, uh, you know, I, I'd gotten to know her kind of through my husband. And then uh, when I was living in Oregon, um, she did a, a study up there at the couple different, you know, the university. Oh, in she was up in Oregon? Yep. Kind Corvallis. Of completing her, uh, her, I don't remember what they call them, rounds or, <laughs> you know, in, kind of intensives. Um and so she she'd come up a lot because that's only about an hour and a half from where we lived. So she'd drive up and we'd hang out and play games. So I got to know her a little bit better. And she has a long history with improv. She's been doing it since high school. And I actually got to see her. Her her veterinary school um, was in Grenada in the like Caribbean Grenada. Grenada. Wow, <laughs> that's,
0: that's a we were talking about Reagan. So I know. A...
1: There's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh not not a lot of veterinary schools in the states and so a lot I went of to Davis to that go, was one of the yeah. yep that was a hard hard, hard very school. very hard to get in so she went to Grenada and we were like well we better come visit you huh so we went down there and I saw her perform with that group I was blown away I was like wow you're really good um so she uh she was just we were hanging out here one day at my house and uh she said, "Hey, I'm starting a musical improv group. Do you want to join?" And I said, "No, <laughs> nope, do not." And she she just kind of nodded, and I'm sure she gets this a lot, or anybody when they're asking people to join their improv group. She just kind of. Oh yeah, improv is so <laughs> sexy. I tell <laughs> no? you. Well, it's just it's very scary. The idea it of is. doing it is very scary, and and um, yeah, one thing led to another, and she eventually convinced me to uh, to just come and, and to play. And so it's been, it's been a journey. It's a, it's very interesting approach to uh, making the song with someone is I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing, but we're going to do it together right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I'm really happy to meet you because I, you know, I want to develop the group and I, I think we're, we're kind of flying. We're learning as we go. So it's a nice collaborative effort.
1: Yeah. I think that we, uh, we have some good opportunity. I ran a workshop with Jill. Uh, Jill Gibson is one of the instructors as well, and uh, we ran a workshop for some high school students um, at Napomo High. And we had a great time. And man, those kids are smart. You probably see it every day. Every but uh, I'm now that I'm not in the school anymore. You know, I, I work a different job now. Uh, I just you forget sometimes how sharp kids are. They're yeah, really good. Those young brains they were just they they caught on immediately in these games that you know we've been trying to learn for a while in improv oh those kids just got them right away and their rhymes were very clever and their uh, they they went interesting places with their characters and um, it was really really fun so i'm ho- i'm hoping i got to make a challenge to the group like hey we got to we got to be better than those uh, those high schoolers <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
0: it's uh it's yeah some styles like country yeah, it's challenging to play on the keyboards. Um, yeah, yeah, some of them lend themselves a little bit more to the guitar.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like reggae. Yep. You oh, need yeah. a guitar. Yep, that's hard to do on a, on a on a keyboard. And I can play around with sounds a little bit. Like I can pull the organ in or strings or, or a bass or something. Um, so I try to make it fun that way and, and play with genres. And then also major, minor, like do you want to make a sound – kind of sound spooky or, or sad – you can change things up a little bit in the chords that you play. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So our group is called Loose Cannons. And uh, we have a Halloween show on the October 26th at Slow Wine and Beer.
1: 7 o'clock, come on out.
0: We just came up with our name. so, uh, so And it's a
1: play on words. I, people may not, may not realize that. So it's canon, but with only one N, which is a musical term the can a canon is when you uh when you sing kind of one after another
0: so you grew up in montana
1: i grew up in montana
0: now did you uh were was a did you grow up with country music
1: there's a lot of country music in montana yeah you got but but you know what in montana so where i am uh there's there was kind of a i was i'm just from south of helena and helena is a really interesting place uh it gets overlooked a lot um Even in Montana, (laughs) people kind of look down on it a little bit sometimes. But, boy, we had some great art and some really good music. uh, And I got to see, you know, every week we had this festival, alive at Five, and everybody would come down. uh, And I got to see some – they'd snag these acts that were going from, uh, you know, like like the Twin Cities in Minnesota over to Seattle. Well, hey, take a stop in Montana and, and play this show. So some amazing blues, got to see some jazz and funk, reggae. I got to, I was exposed to a lot of different styles as a kid. Um, As far as Montana generally goes, you you got a lot of rock and you got a lot of country. So me personally, I gravitated more towards the rock. Um, But, uh, you know, my sister's a bona fide (laughs) cowgirl. She's out there, you know, literally wrangling cows right now. Oh, wow. Literally. Yep. And uh, she's a pickup pickup rider.
0: Oh my gosh! Which you don't see.
1: I know that you interviewed the rodeo folks. Yes. You don't see a lot of female pickup riders because it's a heavy, heavy thing to do. You got to be big, you know, to get those cowboys off the off the horse at the rodeos, Um, and then to pick up the horse. uh, It's it's a it's a hard hard thing to do.
0: You're reminding me of a family trip. My family would drive across country, and we stopped in Billings, Montana, Mm -hmm. and. And went to a big rodeo there, oh, yeah. and and boy, that that was really memorable.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's rodeo is a big scene in in Montana and that whole that whole Western area. And uh, my sister's just pretty awesome. <laughs> she posts these photos. I'm like, man, you're so cool.
0: <laughs> well, my theory is that it sounded like in your area they had a really rich arts program for the kids, and and my theory is that in these in an area where there's a more of a harsh climate that people are spending more time in indoors. And that creates a, an opportunity for artistic expression.
1: That could be, that, that, that could be, I never thought about it that way. It's so
0: sunny here. Everyone's hiking.
1: <laughs> yeah, we definitely did a lot of hiking, but it was nice in the winter time to, you know, just walk into your choir class. You know what we don't have in Montana that you guys have here. Uh, is those open campuses. I was so confused going to this workshop at Napomo High. I'm like, where? why are all these buildings all separate and you got to walk in between? Like you don't get that in Montana where it gets to be 40 below and there's snow. Like you can't have your kids walking outside between classes without coats, Without they'd have to get all bundled up again. So that's, that's new for me here, just navigating the campuses, <laughs> even of your, uh, your elementary schools down here.
0: Well, it's really been nice interviewing you, and um, I'm so excited to see more episodes of Zeitgeist Radio.
1: Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun, Andy. All right.
0: Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. You've reached the end of another Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. My special thanks to Morgan Rowe of Zeitgeist Radio. I can be reached on Facebook at Andy Watson. And we're on Gmail at cowboyjeffandandy at gmail.com, all lowercase. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.